Hi, welcome to Fringe. Tonight's message is a bit of a challenging one. It's one I really didn't want to do and didn't want to bring. But as I prayed and dived into what to do this week, I couldn't shake this message. So don't be offended. <laughs> This isn't targeted at anyone in particular. Um, this is just a message which I feel needs to be out there. And uh, hopefully you still like me at the end of it. So let's have a different look at Jonah and see how we go. Now Jonah is a fascinating book in the Old Testament. It's believed to um, have been one of the first books written, according to some scholars. They believe it was one of the first books in the entire Bible which existed. Uh, Jonah is a fascinating book in the Old Testament. It's believed to um, have been one of the first books written, according to some scholars. They believe it was one of the first books in the entire Bible which existed. Um, it's fascinating on so many layers, and, and we could you could spend months on Jonah alone diving into it, um, looking at the history and the meaning behind it. For me, one of the big things is is that Jonah is read in its entirety every year on the Day of Atonement. So the day which the Jewish people focus on forgiveness of sins, Jonah is read in its entirety in public. So I'm going to read a little bit for you now, and then let's dive into it and see what we can find. Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away for the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship that was bound for a port. After paying his fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. But the Lord sent a great wind onto the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below the deck where he'd laid down and had fallen into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Jonah is a fascinating book. So what we've got here is God's call to Jonah and giving him a job. I want you to go to Nineveh and confront them. Now why this is a big deal is, is this city was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire is famous through history for evil and horrific things they did. They loved torturing people 
and finding new and interesting ways to kill, degrade, and torture people. One of their more famous things they were known for is they used to skin their enemies, skin them alive, and they would hang the skins from the gates of their city as a warning to anyone else who was coming around. They'd see that and know this is what happens if you cross us, if you confront us, this is what happens to you. So you can understand that Jonah would have been confronted by this idea. But I want to take a different look at it today. I've preached on Jonah many times, but something else has been shown to me through this, which I want to bring out and work on today. So God's asked Jonah to go to this city. Jonah thinks that God is wrong. Jonah thinks that God is making a bad decision. So he runs. The interesting thing I see is, is so Jonah, um, when he's running, what he does, it says he goes down to the town and he goes down to find a ship. In the ship, he's sailing across and he goes down into the the bottom of the ship and he's sound asleep and then the storm comes and the sailors get him and they throw him over head first it says into the water if you're jumping into the water you'd go feet first right but no he asked to go head first into the water and says he goes down to the bottom of the ocean and it says in some translations that he goes down to Shul, which is another name for hell. That he goes down all the way and as far away as he can to get away from God and what God's will was for him. I find it very interesting that he was asleep in this massive storm and things which were going on. We know that there's a story of Jesus being asleep in the boat in a storm. And Jesus is woken and he's like, ah, yeah, says a couple of words and everything goes calm. Jonah's in a similar situation, but he's asleep. I think he's asleep because he's depressed. He's struggling with a great depression at this time. But what I want to look at is what this means for today's society and how, what's, what we can take from this. What happens when we're faced with this? So I want to tell you a little story about um, a debate in a British university. So there was a British university and there was a debating team. This was only, uh, I'm thinking like 10 years ago, um, this happened. And what happened was the student was confronted in the debate with someone who said something which kind of attacked her character. And uh, she put a hand up and said, look, I want to get to the bottom of this. I want to talk to you. I want to go through this and get this all sorted out. But I do not want to do it in the public forum. So let's meet up. Let's have a chat. You know, we'll sort this out. We'll have a discussion about it. This was a confront to the university itself because it's actually 
um, in the guidelines of the university, it says that you're not allowed to raise or do any hand signals in defiance of what someone's talking about. So for her putting a hand up and saying, hey, I want to talk to you about this in private and debate this quietly was considered one of those incidents. And therefore she was banned from the university. A little bit later, there's um, a character called uh, Jermaine Greer, who is very contentious um, and does a lot of things I don't particularly agree with. But in this circumstances, she stepped in and defended this girl in the university and said, hang on, this is a debate and you're not letting her go off and have a debate and talk about it and stand up for herself. What's going on here? What kind of university is this when we can't have an open conversation or they can't go have this conversation and they're punished for it? Now, being Jermaine Greer, she didn't use the language I just used. I'm pretty sure there was a lot of four-letter words and a lot of horrible things which were said. But the meaning behind it was of good intention, I believe. So she was banned from talking at any of the British universities. And another scientist, Richard Dawkins, who you know most Christians know is uh, a troublesome fella as well, but Richard Dawkins came in and um, backed up this conversation and saying, what is this? How can we not have a debate? It no longer becomes a debate, but just an echo chamber of the same ideas if we can't have open conversation. And again, Richard Dawkins was banned from the university. Brian Cox, another well-known scientist, came along and argued this point as well. And once again, was banned from the university because of having a difference of opinion and not being able to have a conversation and an open debate about it. It seems like they had, and I feel sometimes we do, have lost the ability to disagree with someone and still have respect for them, which is a sad state of affairs. And what and how has this change come about is, is what I was curious about. You know, back in the day, we had basically two dominant cultures. There was a culture of dignity and a culture of honor. So a culture of dignity was defending yourself. A culture where if someone said something negative or bad about me, well, I had to protect my identity and my dignity by attacking them, by standing up to myself. And then we had the opposite, which was the culture of honour, which was honour was something you were born with, and I have this honour and you need to protect it. And that was completely opposite. It wasn't about fighting. It was about, you know, I'd go have a quiet word with this person and we'd come out and then maybe it would hit the tabloids or the paper. They've sorted things out. How fantastic is that? And that was a culture which was focused on honour. But today, these two cultures seem to have collided and we've got this strange, different thing. Now, I don't want to... I know a lot of people at Fringe have had a lot of traumas in the past and a lot of 
horrific things and experiences happen in their life. Where I'm going tonight, I don't mean any offence to any of you. This isn't a personal attack and I'm not talking to anyone specifically. But this can cut deep. And please reach out and talk to myself or Mike um, and let's have a conversation and a chat about this if you're feeling it way heavy on you. So I believe that these two cultures, the dignity culture and the honor culture, have combined, and, and the only way I think of describing it, is to become a victim culture. A victim mentality which kind of sits on a lot of society today. A victim culture where we're no longer hold our things in uh, dignity and defending ourselves, or honour and doing the honourable thing and protecting ourselves in that way, protecting our honour. But it's all become about what's been done to you. What are the things you've been living by, you lived, lived through? And those are the things which a lot of survivors and a lot of society holds true today. It means every time you say something and you disagree with someone, it seems to be the only response is hatred. Because this victim mentality where their, their beliefs and their identity is held up in the things which have been done to them, every time you disagree with them, you're attacking them on that nature again. And uh, they're becoming a victim once more. So it's very difficult to disagree with some people and still have a respectful relationship because it instantly goes to hate. And with that comes this idea of he's phobic against me. He disagrees with me because he's against who I am, because I'm fill in the dots, whatever. Um, and that's the problem he's got. But the big problem is, we bring everything back to this hate. We will never be open to other people. And we will never be open to God and what he's got to offer. Isn't it possible that people may disagree with you because they love you? Is it possible that people might disagree with you because they're trying to look after you. The, the larger social issues, which is caused by this um, victim culture, which we seem to be engaging in so much, seems to be that um, people are forming these little groups where we've had the same thing happen to us. We've lived this horrific experience together. So we're, we're together. We're going to look after each other. But no one else understands us quite right. And we form little groups which just come out of the same victim pool through shared experience and shared trauma. And that's what tends to bind them together. But that's the problem. That becomes like that debating room. That becomes an echo chamber of each other's pain. And never, never allows God 
to come in and speak to people. Never can anyone stand up and debate or question what is going on without being hit by absolute hatred. You know, it's a good example of, of this victim mentality and this stuff is is um, superhero films. So if you're old enough to remember the first Superman movie, whichever came out, Superman was this character who had everything going for him. He was good looking, he was smart, he was intelligent, he um, had everything. He was sorted and he was here to help. He could fly, was bulletproof, you name it. And his only weakness was kryptonite. But then we rehashed it and we relaunched it and we did a remake of Superman. And in the beginning of the new Superman, Superman, whatever it is, returns or Superman is, is on a boat and he's feeling isolated and alone like no one understands him. He's um, dealing with all these things like his powers and what a tragedy and how horrible these things can be and what they could cause. So we've taken this story of this man who was pretty much perfect and we've twisted it into this guy who has to be a victim to be a superhero. And if you look at Marvel, so Marvel movies which have gone ballistic over the last, I don't know, so many years, um, every single one tops the box office, but every single hero, their origin story is one of tragedy. Every single hero is one with severe trauma in their past, and they're embracing this victim mentality. This victim culture of this is why I'm a hero is because all these horrible things have created me into this. This is a very sad time for our culture. If you dive deep and look into it. Because what it says is we have everyone else to blame for the way I am. And I have nothing to do with it. It's everything which has happened to me has created me. It's one of my gripes. If you know me well enough, it's uh, um, talkback TV, you know, Oprah, Dr. Phil, all these guys get up there and they have someone come on TV and say, I am abusive to my partner because when I was a child, I was abused. Bad reverend time. Bullshit. That is absolute rubbish. You are abusive to someone because you choose to be. You might have things in your past which has brought you to the point or influenced your behavior, but at the end of the day, your decision is your decision and you need to own it. We are a product of our own decisions. We are a product of our own making. We create our own destiny. Now Jonah speaks to this, I believe. He blames everyone else for where he is and what he's caught in. And he's confronted with God with his story of what he needs to do to go confront this civilization, this brutal, violent, 
horrible people who've oppressed his people for years, slaughtered them, tortured them, treated them horribly. And he's asked to go and confront them, the Assyrian Empire. It actually says in some versions um, that the Assyrian Empire, when it, when, it, when it says that God sends him, that the smell of their evil has reached heaven. That is a potent statement. God asked Jonah to go to the capital and confront them. Could you imagine that the person who's hurt you most in your life, done the most damage, created the most trauma, um, that God's confronted, come to you and said, I want you to go to them and tell them that I'm sick of it. Tell them that I'm angry. Tell them that the smell of what they've been doing has reached heaven. And it's time for me to judge them. I want you to go give them that message. How would that make you feel? Tell them that their actions are so bad that I'm coming to judge them and I'm angry. But yet Jonah runs away. And as we talk about, he went down and down and down and as far as possibly as he could to get away from what God was asking. And we come to that bit where he's at the bottom of the ocean, where he's at the shoal, where he's been to hell because he's pushing so far to get away from God. Where that bit where he's swallowed by a whale, it's the bit which everyone finds a bit fishy. Uh, I'm a dad, I'm allowed to do those jokes. Um, in this kind of story. And he spat back out, back to where he should be. And he marches in to the city. And he does the worst preaching ever. His heart's not in it. He doesn't want to be there. He's ticked. 40 days. You've got 40 days. God's judgment's coming. And he walks out. Every man, woman, and child repents. Every man, woman, and child says, we're sorry, God, for what we have done, for what we have begun. They tear their clothes in a sign of contrition. They put on sackcloth and they try their best to atone for their sins. They say, I'm sorry, God. And what does Jonah do? He becomes angry. He becomes furious. This is why I ran away, he says. I know that you're a loving, forgiving God. I know that you love to forgive people. And I was afraid that you were going to do this. How is this justice? For the years of persecution and murder and torture and the things they've done for us. How is this justice? How can you forgive these people, God? I can't stand for it, is what Jonah is saying. This is a massive failure of justice, and I can't stand for it. Jonah states that his anger is such that it makes him sick. His anger is such, and he says, I wish I was dead. But Jonah failed to realize that the same love and forgiveness was being offered to him as it was to the Ninevites. God 
maybe you have something to say to our hearts too. It can be hard. can be difficult. When grace, when love, when compassion is shown to someone who has wronged us. But you know what? Maybe I'm not as innocent as I thought either. Every single relationship breakdown or, or divorce, which is messy, which you hear, um, they have one of the parties come to you and they tell you every single thing. They did this and they did that and they did that. What happens if you say, hang on, surely you had some part of this too. Surely you may, you may not have done all those things which your partner did. But surely you had some part in this too. That victim culture, that, that thing rages up inside them again, just like Jonah here. How dare you? And that's the end. I don't know any relationship which has survived that. Where someone questions. Maybe you had something to do with it too. Jesus warns us that about letting bitterness into our hearts. And if you have bitterness in your heart for those who've hurt you, then the sad thing is, is that pain's relived every day. The person who's hurt you, they will stand in front of God. They will be judged. They will be accountable to those actions for what they've done to you. But why do you insist on allowing them to re-hurt you every day, every time that memory comes up, every time that thing happens? This is what Jonah's going through. How dare you forgive that city? How dare you save them, God? Don't you know what they've done? God will judge them and hold them accountable. But you need to stop paying the cost for what they did to you every day. Wasn't the once enough. What has been done to you does not define who you are. What has been done to you and what you've lived through does not determine your future. It will, if you can't let go of that bitterness. This is exactly what God is reaching out and offering to Jonah, but yet he can't see it. Jonah never sees what God is offering him. We see in the story that God offers him, and I'd rather die, says Jonah, he goes off and sits down. He goes, but... Shouldn't I have a, a, a right to be able to help these people to change their way? To... God, Jonah doesn't answer. And God brings this tree to grow up and put shade over him while he's sitting there. And then causes a worm to go in and eat it. And it dies. And perishes. And God asks, do you have a right to be angry about that tree? It came up and it gave you shade and it was beautiful. Then the grub got in there and killed it and it died. 
And that's where it ends. Jonah ends with an open question. We don't know the future outcome. But we can reflect on the place where Jonah was. Can we ever break out of that victim mentality? Can we get that bitterness out? Can we accept what God is offering for us? If God called on you to go to your Nineveh, would you run? Let us pray. Lord God, I know this is a harsh message to some. And I pray that they soak in it. They spend time with it. Let you speak to them. I pray that the power of hatred and anger is broken off all those who need it gone. They have the strength to stop reliving and re-hurting the stuff which has been done to us and start to live in the freedom which you offer. Thank you, Lord. Amen. It is important that we deal with our past. I'm not saying that at all. It is important. It's like a wound. If you get a deep wound, a deep cut, how do they treat it? They clean it. They get in there and scrub it. They wash it out. Make sure there's nothing left inside it before they cover it, before they dress the wound. Our past, the things which give us that victim mentality and those things are like that. And what happens and why they rehash and why I believe they confront us and every day make us live over and over again with the things which happen to us is because we do not clean the wound. We need to get in there and get out all the rubbish with God and only then can it heal. Don't get in there and sit with the rubbish. Clean it out. Only then do you have a chance to heal. But ask yourself, is God speaking to your heart about forgiveness, about bitterness, about not instantly going to a place of hate and anger every time someone disagrees with you. I think there is a tie, like Jonah, between these places. And you will miss what God is offering to you. If you can't stop rehashing these things.
right, bye for now. We'll see you next week. Um, hopefully that wasn't too painful. Hopefully I'm still okay in your book after giving that message. See you again.